Ladies and gentlemen, cowpokes and cowgirls, welcome to another edition of PZ85 Plays. I am your Marshal Double H, and this is the official first night of PZ85 Plays Deadlands the horror at Headstone Hill. Now, a couple of weeks ago, you heard our introductory uh, episode for this upcoming campaign. In that, uh, we mainly just talked about who our players were, roughly what their characters were going to be like, uh, but tonight we actually begin play. So you're going to learn more about those people, about our setting, and what to expect. So before we go any further with that, let me, as always, introduce you to our cast, beginning with the co-owner and creator of Podzilla 1985, playing all reluctant Killian Legion, it's Shannon Young. Saddle up, partners. <laughs> uh, moving on. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Uh, playing Thatcher Kane is one uh, R.E. Casper. Oh, I'm ready for something new. Also with us, playing Fern Hawthorne is Lindsay Wolfgong. I also have horses. <laughs> and last but not least, playing Dr. Quote unquote Emmett Durandall uh, is Stephen Bright. I have something way better than horses. You guys are going to be so jealous. No, because I already know what it is. You told me earlier. It's a. Ah. Also, Hunter just. <laughs> I knew I was going to have a I tried to catch it. Really quick, I have to point this out. So I asked Google to do the same thing. I put the same prompt in, right? This is what Google uh, gave uh-huh. me. <clears throat> so importantly, the guys are trying to come up with uh, images for their characters. And that's not bad. That's pretty badass. Bad. That's pretty that's much exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So wait, you found it on Google Images or you? it's an AI thing? It's an AI thing. Go to Google and just type in draw me A and then type oh. in whatever you want. Lindsay, you can do that. Go to Google and well, just that, type in draw me okay. A. And I said in a concept style. And that's what I got. Yeah, that's that pretty ex- fucking that explains That explains why that bird to the left of his head has four wings. Um, no, that's a that, no, 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 no. That's uh, well, it's it's the weird west. It's the weird west. So <laughs> it's a starfish just gently it's a, gliding through. It's the a air. it's a it's a flight fish. <laughs> okay, well, hang on <laughs> before we go any further. <clears throat> it's, Someone's it's, name has got to become flight fish. It's common in the weird oh, west God. of Deadlands. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So yeah, again, if you uh, if you didn't catch the initial episode for this campaign, which again was was two weeks ago, we took the week off last week. Uh, make sure you go back and check that out because that is basically just the primer, the introductory setup for this. I'm not going to get too terribly deep into that sort of thing tonight. Um, our players sort of know what to expect, and and if you listen to that, you'll know in general as well. But we are using uh, the Deadlands, the Weird West system under the Savage World system. Um, it is their their most recent one, and we are playing from a, a module from that that group uh, from Pinnacle Entertainment called uh, Horror at Headstone Hill. If you know me, if you've listened to shows that I've run before, we start with the module, and where it goes from there, we will see. Um, so we'll we'll figure that out along the way. That's not bad. Well, that's just me. Why is that? <laughs> Why did you make me? That's kind of weird. Uh- Shannon, it failed, or I failed. It didn't bring me up anything. Very accurate. Do it again. You have to do it the right way. Okay, um, well, yeah. how do I do it the right way? Uh, literally just t- say, or so you, you go to Google, and then don't type yes. it into the search. Scroll up. If you scroll up, it opens up like a AI being thing. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's not. It's, it's, it's not. Uh, Bing. That's Bing. Yeah, it's. I'm sorry. It's not Google. It's Bing. Go to Bing. I don't use Bing. Oh. Screw that. But you can go to Bing. 
I know I can go to Bing. I'm not <laughs> that concerned about it right now because my computer can only handle so <laughs> much die. stuff. So it's gonna wait. Okay, but Fuck that. I'm not visiting that website. <laughs> all right, but I told I told it to draw Sailor Moon as a cowboy, and I got this, and I love it. Nice. Ooh. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So choose to use it or not, but there it is. I mean, I will use <laughs> it later it when I'm not in fear of my computer crapping out before we're done recording. Now I have to draw a cool cat as a cowboy. Go ahead, Hunter. Yes, okay. do it. So, uh, well, I don't want to now because I'm about to get into serious stuff. I want you to do this first. I need to know what's going to happen, <laughs> and then and we'll go from there. Because obviously I'm going to get derailed when you start losing but your mind. he wants mind. to know what he's doing. It, oh, I know. A, I know exactly what's going to happen. Assuming Bing knows what Cool Cat is. It's, there's it, a, it might just draw like a, a cat, cool cat. Like a cool like, what cat. What if it's Garfield? Yeah, that's what like, it is. It's it, a cat with sunglasses. It, it just, I'd be okay with that. It, it, it just drew a series of Ooh, cool cats uh, as cowboys. Oh, okay. So go ahead. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So here's the, the just the real quick summary of what you all need to know coming into this as, as listeners and as players. It is May of 1884. And a heap of trouble is brewing out west in Uinta County in uh, Wyoming. Folks have been going missing in the vast Aspen Forest near Heaston Hill. And now even the U.S. agent that was sent to investigate has vanished without a word. A shadowy organization called the Twilight Legion has put together a posse to sort things out. And that is where all of you are going to come in. So um, the newest edition of, uh, of Savage Worlds has a system called interludes. And it's something that I'm, I'm going to use to begin uh, <clears throat> our campaign in general. So as we, we start here, none of your characters are aware of what has happened yet just far, uh, just to this point thus far. Um, they also have not yet traveled to that area. We're going to introduce you one by one. Okay. Um, so basically my, my question to you to start is who would like to go first? Kaz. Sure. I'm here in Kaz. All right. So, Kaz, over at Roll20, do me a favor, and on that deck of cards, go ahead and draw yourself a card. I am doing this immediately. You don't have to move it around. I I should be able to move it for you. Oh, so I just click on it. Yep, you can click it. I do. It should show up on the top of the deck. There we go. Did I do good? Kaz drew the three of spades. I'm going to move it over there on on top of your, your head there, more or less. Okay, so... Here's what you can do for this inter- interlude, and this is just a, an opportunity for you to sort of role play and talk about your character. Um, you have a choice of one of three ways of telling this little tale about what your character is doing just before they receive the information that I gave you guys uh, at the beginning of the show, that the letter and the, the newspaper articles. You can either explain a little bit about um, your character spending some time alone in quiet contemplation. You can tell us a little bit about your character experiencing a great victory or personal triumph sometime in the past, and they're remembering that. Or you can tell us something about a difficult obstacle uh, that you have negotiated along the way to where you are today. Oof. And you would do this in describing what's going on with your character. So you you make your choice about however you want to handle that uh, and and tell it to us like a story. You don't have to tell it in first person. You can tell it in third person. Um, but use this opportunity to tell us a little bit about who <clears throat> Thatcher Kane is, where he comes from, and what we need to know about him as players and as listeners. All right. <clears throat> so Thatcher Kane, 
I'm going to go with the second one, I believe. That's the uh, after a recent victory or what have you. <clears throat> Great victory or a personal triumph sometime in the past. Yeah, personal triumph would be a, a good one. Um, okay. So, well, at least what he thinks may be a personal triumph. It's, sure. Um, so set the scene, Thatcher Kane. He is in uh, kind of a... a I wouldn't call it a saloon necessarily. It was like an extra area, um, just kind of like a seating area, smoker's uh, cigar kind of area. Sitting around, kind of thinking about um, a recent article that he had written. So Thatcher is a uh, <coughs> investigative, uh, what's it, muckraker, raker, muckraker, muckraker, mm-hmm. that comes from the Midwest. And it, what brought him here is his kind of like a never-ending. Uh, a journey for for knowledge and to learn about the weird and and wild west <clears throat> now a lot of this has been fed by his background just to kind of set the stage there is uh Th- thatcher comes from the midwest from a family pretty well to do um but a bit seen as odd in the local community uh he grew up around stories being told of from his his father and his mother about weird, crazy, out there things, uh, uh, these adventures that they supposedly had, and um, you know, it, growing up around this, uh, he also grew up around a lot of people that disbelieved it and kind of looked upon them as that that weird family with all these silly stories, and um, so that's his background, but. As he progressed, this 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 fascination, this curiosity, but also uh, high respect for his family led him to uh, want, want to prove these stories, show that these are actually real uh, things that are out there. So that brought him out uh, from his from the Midwest <clears throat> on a few journeys, and he had just submit he had uh, gotten accepted with the, uh, the the tombstone epithet as as a writer, sending in some of the first early catalogings of, of things he'd found out there and. One of which was a, a a freaky creature. We can talk about it more later. We'll just kind of fill in the blanks just with your own mind. <laughs> that he researched, tracked down, and got away and survived. And and he's uh, cataloged this thing, detailing it in, in in his narrative, and sent this into the uh, the the epithet and got the uh, 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 what do you call it? The approval or acceptance letter that this thing is is going to be published here soon or was going to be published here soon. Actually, let's t- fast forward it there. He's, that's the victory is he got his first publishing. Let me, let me, let me okay. pull an article there. <laughs> He's okay. actually got that yeah. paper in front of him, whereas that, that article uh, is published in. And he's just so, kind of reading through that. Okay. So um, where is he at this point in time, like in, in the country? Um, <clears throat> where, no, where in where in like a him? smoky room, kind of like a, in a old West kind of town as you're, as you're moving further out. Think, uh, okay. Yeah, blazing saddles. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. I, I I wondered. You mentioned uh, originally in your backstory that he was um, like roughly from or kind of settled in the Midwest to some degree. Like, where would we find him at this particular time in in the country? So he's not necessarily like set, like he comes from the Midwest, but um, reasons to be discussed further as we move along. Um, he has set out on his own. Um, and so he has already traveled out, moving toward the west, kind of an unknown town. He's just hitting them one by one. So nothing nothing that you would know on a map. Okay. All right. Um, 
So a one horse we'll town. He's in yeah, like a little bit of a not quite a boom town. It's like you said, much more like a one horse town. A very uh, um, not necessarily up and coming. It's as good right. as it's going to get at this yeah. point in time. So we find him on <clears throat> this morning. Would you say in a in a saloon, kicked back, reading the paper, yep. uh, table to himself? Okay. Yep. Um, <clears throat> what? Uh, We'll say it's relatively early in the morning. It's maybe nine, ten o'clock. Um, not early in the morning, but it's still morning, decidedly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there are only a few patrons milling in and out, the typical frontier type. Um, there is one, however, that comes through the the double swinging doors that catches your attention as an investigator out of the, the corner of your eye. It doesn't look like the rest. Um, everyone else has got the, the standard 10 gallon hats. They've got the, the, uh, wide lapel shirts and all or not lapel, uh, um, embellished shirts. Um, this gentleman is a little, um, older, a little stouter. Uh, he wears a black bowler hat as opposed to the, the wide brimmed hats of pretty much everyone else who, who's come through has a thick, uh, black mustache that curls up and points at the end. Um, a really nice jacket, nice slacks, uh, and, and shoes that quite literally are shined as though they're in, in great shape. Like you just had them shined recently. Um, you know, before he even makes the move that he's heading toward your table and, uh, as he approaches, um, what do you do? I just kind of give him a look. I'm assuming he's coming like super close, like over to the table to acknowledge, like acknowledge. Yeah. Does he say yeah, anything, he's... or does he just kind of stand there in front of me? On his on his way to you, he doesn't um, he doesn't say anything specifically. If you look up and acknowledge him, he meets your eye, and and you can tell just at a glance he he's not coming in with any malice. He doesn't necessarily smile, but he certainly isn't moving at a quickened pace, nor is he mm -hmm. reaching for a weapon. Uh, but he's also not le reaching for a seat. He's he's walking up right beside where I, I'm assuming you're kicked back, you know, maybe feet yep. propped up on the table, um, and he's moving right up beside you. Yep. So I, uh, yeah, I look up to him, kind of tip my hat up, and just ask him where the trouble's at. Okay. Um, Always looking for uh, a story. He doesn't say it like vindic like uh, like he's annoyed or um, aggressive or anything. It's more sure. kind of like tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry. Say again. What what is you said to him? Where where Where's the trouble is? At? <clears throat> um, the man. Uh, kind of actually chuckles a little bit, sort of under his breath. Um, it's a very low kind of, <laughs> and he uh, he takes off his bowler, hands it or places it in in front of him, um, and he says, uh, "Well, Mister Kane, I hope that that's something you can help us uh, decipher." When he moves his hands in front of him like that, and with his with his hat in one hand, uh, <laughs> you guys can't see me. I guess set up a little bit. Um, he <clears throat> he short. makes a point. He makes a point before he actually like clasps them, you know, down at his belt to stop one palm in front of his fist, and then he lowers them the rest of the way. As Thatcher sees this, he kind of goes from his more joking um, uh, uh, demeanor, stands upright, kind of with respect, stands up out of his seat and takes a step back, um, ends up doing the same sign back to the gentleman. Um, mm -hmm. At this point, you can kind of see Thatcher a little bit more um, just as a kind of quick descriptor. 
Uh, he's, he, his demeanor, his speech is, comes off fairly kind, but also curious, always kind of inquisitive. Um, fairly welcoming, not very standoffish, but uh, he himself is tall, kind of lean, tussled brown hair, um, piercing green eyes, though, and a neatly trimmed goatee. Uh, often, kind of, he's in this case seen wearing his wireframe glasses and uh, slightly tinted, so they're a bit unique. It's not like normal reading glasses. Um, a fedora hat and a long leather duster. Uh, you do notice there is kind of chain tarnished pocket watch. Uh, just kind of, you know, the, the, the cord goes up, it's kind of strapped, and it's hanging there, uh, showing kind of a, a fairly tarnished uh, uh, brass. And uh, strapped to his back, or not necessarily to his back, but off to the side because of getting up from the chair. He's got this old well-worn rifle with alterations to it. So it looks definitely not like it's going to shoot anybody, but could probably cause some damage on a swing. And so, he does, like I said, it starts off and he does that back to the gentleman. Um, you're, for what it's worth, you were about uh, half a head taller than this guy. If you're pretty tall, he, he's of average, if not slightly above average height. Um, so he, he angles back to, to look up and meet you in the eye. Um, but he doesn't, there, there's no uh, like intimidation or anything like that. I mean, he's clearly here on a mission. Um, and now that you've, you've repaid his signal in kind, um, he reaches into his breast pocket and pulls out like a leaflet of papers. You can tell that uh, one of them is a, a letter um, mm. that within it is folded over. It contains several clipped newspaper articles. He hands them over to you. <clears throat> he quickly introduces himself as uh, Maurice Mullen. He says, but of course, everyone just calls me the twin. Um, and he hands over the, the leaflet of papers and says, um, I have a, a missive from your editor that I believe you'll want to have a, a look into. What is happening? Oh, my God. Okay. I was hearing so many noises. Um, he says, uh, "He says you. Uh, I, I believe you'll want to have a take a look, or you'll want to take a look at these um, a missive from your editor. Uh, unfortunately, not about today's article, though well-written. And he replaces his hat, tips it, and says, if you need me, I'll be at the bar. And so he steps away. He leaves you with this this uh, sheaf of papers. From my... The editor from the Toons... Okay, yeah, I see which one it is here. Were you going to read that one out? I will uh, after... Because everyone is going to get the same information. Oh, savvy. So I okay. will read it. I will read it aloud for everyone later on. Um, but if you have a, if you haven't already, if you have a quick chance to peruse it, um, <clears throat> just so you can give us a reaction to it, at least to the letter itself, if not necessarily the articles. The articles can come later. Uh, <clears throat> I think at this point, you he. You can physically, you can see a physical change has happened with him. Is uh, he's kind of like tightened up. But also kind of a smile across his face just simply because of this kind of newfound curiosity for, for a new something happening, something that's drawn his attention. He's ready to get into the next adventure. Um, but he doesn't really pursue the man or anything. He just takes a seat back and uh, just kind of continues staring at the letter from that point. Okay. Um, eventually, Maurice will uh, finish a drink. He orders a, a simple beer. Um it takes him maybe five, 10 minutes. He nurses it a little bit, gives you time to peruse over the, the information there. Um, when he does, he 
pays the bartender. It's starting to get a little busier now uh, in this sort of nondescript saloon. He walks back over toward your table. Once again, does not take a seat, takes off his hat since he is approaching you uh, and says, I, I trust everything is in order. Yes, accepted. <clears throat> Very well, then. Um, and he passes on some information about the next train from your area that will be leaving for uh, not Uinta County itself. Uinta County is uh, uh, currently a burgeoning railroad area, but uh, it can deliver you in the neighboring Sweetwater County of Wyoming. Um, before he, he leaves, given that everything seems to be in order, he does uh, sort of cheekily as he's like, once again replacing that bowler say, um, and Mr. Kane, be sure to bring a coat. Looks into Nebris. And he says that last part sort of under his breath. And then he... What was that last part? Looks into Nebris. It's Latin. Ah. Thought I heard you wrong, like you were mumbling at me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he does does sort of... To the casual listener, it would sound like he was mumbling. Right. But to you, you know precisely what he's he's saying. Yes. Um, And so he replaces his hat, tips it, and says, Good day. And he turns on his heel and exits the saloon. It's he, this is a guy who gives off an air as though he was never there. If anyone asked later on, despite the fact that he looks very different from everyone else who has come in and out that door this morning, most people would probably question if they saw him at all, if they even vaguely remembered him being there. What do you do? Sorry, I'm just kind of like reading back over it a little bit because I've forgotten. Okay. Some pieces of this. (laughs) You do note one thing um, that is not mentioned specifically there. You would know to look for it on the back of the letter. If you were to flip the paper over, um, you would see a circular symbol. Uh, It has at the top um, some compass type gear uh, and then crossed below that symbol forming an X. uh, One is a... um, uh, a torch, like a lit torch, uh, and the other lengthy item is a uh, a bladed weapon that looks like a sword with like a a, um, a handguard. I forget what you call it, not the top handguard, but one that just goes around the wrist or around the knuckles, I should say, like a saber almost. So this has this has, is this is the symbol ahead. of the Explorer Society, which is from Thatcher's point of view something that he'd always heard about he's a part of he definitely is involved and he's rearing for the next adventure here now looking at this i is there detail in here on to where i'm going like is Uh, he aware of like the next like where, where this leads him to how to get there yeah so so maurice would have passed on to you um information not a, not a train ticket specifically but basically where to be the local train station um and what time it's in a couple hours time you've got a couple hours to, to gather your things um and that will take you on about a day's journey uh from where you are riding the rails to uh again what what he described as a, a county known as Sweetwater Wyoming uh it is a neighboring county to Uinta County which is where the action appears to be happening. Uinta is still sort of getting into the railroad game, and so the the rails can't take you all the way in there. Um, but Sweetwater is mm-hmm. as close as it gets, and then there's carriages and horses and other things available from there. Not really, not really the type of person to delay or or waste time. 
Thatcher pretty much knows it's it's ready to to pack up and and move that way. Not he also doesn't usually carry much outside of what's already in his bag. <clears throat> so he just picks up his bag like after the gentlemen have left, and you know mm-hmm. he, he finishes up his drink because. You know, you can't leave an empty, you got to leave an empty drink. You can't leave anything there. Um, and so he grabs his bag, gets up, and, and pretty much makes haste at that point to his horse and setting out for Sweetwater. Okay. And we'll put a pause on you there. Who wants to go next? Steven. Uh, a lot of voluntold <laughs> situations going on here. I think I heard Shannon. <laughs> Shannon. Yeah, Shannon's uh, definitely coming up, but I think Steven said something. I just went, uh. Steven, you asked about the temperature. He did not. Is the iced tea hot, Hunter? No, Steven, the iced tea. It's iced tea. It's not hot tea. It's iced tea. Then I have no idea. And I assume, I was going to say, then you have no idea. Okay, Steven, I need you <laughs> to um, to pull a card from the deck. Let's you just have to click card. it, and I'll, I'll move it around. Draw card. Oh. Well, I see one over you. Click on it. Uh, that one. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> I can't move it now for some reason, but that's oh, fine. The two of clubs. I'll bring that that's over fine. here for you. Okay, that's fine, too. <laughs> it's, the, it's the two of clubs. Okay, so uh, Emmett, I'm going to try to start referring to you as uh, as your character name going forward. Um, Emmett, for your interlude, you have, again, three choices. You can tell us about um, your – you can tell us about Emmett being sort of brooding or angry about something and then misbehaving because of that. You could also tell us about um, a tale of misfortune from his past, uh, maybe something that tells us about a hindrance or or uh, uh, a potential secret for him. That maybe he's remembering this sort of thing. He could be having a dream about it, whichever. Um, or you could tell us about a time that he overcame uh, a hardship on a trip. Uh, like uh, spoiled or lost supplies, a mechanical breakdown, bad weather, or something like that. Um, any of those things can either be currently happening to him, or it can be something that happened in the past and he is reminiscing about them in this moment. Gotcha. Okay. Let's see. So, shoot, I already forgot what the first one was. So I'm gonna skip that. Uh, so either <laughs> it was to do with the hindrance. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so. No, so so just quickly again, um, you can tell us about Emmett being uh, angry or brooding about something and then misbehaving as a result of it. Uh, you can tell us about a misfortune from his past, something that might have something to do with one of his hindrances, or uh, a hardship he overcame on a trip at some point in time when he was crossing uh, uh, an area of land, a mechanical breakdown, uh, bad weather, something that, that has stuck with him since then. Any of those things will suffice. Okay. I kind of like the idea of him being upset over something really insignificant. At least, you know, okay. other people, but it's real big for him. Uh, sure. I'm thinking, you know, he's a mad scientist, so he's probably, like, developing, you know, tech uh, throughout, you know, his travels. I like to think that with his nomadic journey, he's just going town to town, see what supplies he can gather up to work on his, you know, his ideas that he has. And one mm-hmm. night he was outside of town. <laughs> 
he was getting real upset because the last few, you know, places that he stopped hasn't really been great as opposed to, like, getting supplies. So he's kind of mm-hmm. struggling to figure out how to, you know, make a living and, uh, you know, get food in his stomach and also do what he wants to do. So he was probably... So... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. Well, um... I'm not sure exactly what he may be working on, but I'm trying to think of what he could do to like get into mischief with it. I guess. So for he... the sake for the sake of the audience, um, tell tell everyone what your character looks like. Like who should they be oh. picturing? What does he sound yeah, like? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. What what do they know? What do they know about him? Right. So he's he's an older gentleman, almost pushing seventy. I think I said he was sixty eight or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, war veteran and. Um, you know, after that experience, he decided to just do his passion in life, which is, you know, invent and create, have fun with life. He, he hated Mm -hmm. the war. He never wants to deal with that shit again, but you know, some things happen. He has to deal with things from time to time. And so he's again, older gentleman, probably already, fully gray in the hair and mm-hmm. um you know safety goggles you know classic mad scientist look with a white uh overcoat or you know whatever those lab jacket whatever that's called um and so yeah with with him he wants to just do what he do his thing create have fun whatever whether that means blowing shit up or just finding re- something really cool to make and that's almost niche like say <laughs> like say just uh make a room smell like pine trees for like five days straight <laughs> something weird like that you know yeah yeah You're designing <laughs> so, air fresheners yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so can i make a suggestion because with yeah. that information i think that will that will maybe shape you were wondering why you all i can hear when i say it now is you asked about the temperature <laughs> um, you were wondering about a way that that he might be frustrated. Um, yeah, which so, I'm, I'm gonna assume is like he can't get the right supplies that he needs, the right materials, and he's just trying to make, you know, get his idea made, and he's frustrated, you know, having right. to put it on pause. So he's kind of doing shortcuts, just seeing what he can do, trying to make it work as best he can. And um, so I love the idea because so, because you're you're. Emmett has a traveling sort of fix it shop, right? Like he, yeah. he, mm-hmm. he travels from, from town to town, sets up shop as long as he can until he gets busted or things go poorly. And then he picks up stakes and takes off yes. um, a true snake oil salesman, basically. <laughs> so I, I, I like the idea only instead of selling things, he's fixing things. I like the okay. idea that, like you said, you're looking for very specific materials, very, um, I'm picturing Emmett Brown looking for plutonium and getting hooked up with a group of, of Libyan terrorists, right? <laughs> like that's the only way that he can get what he wants. Yes. Only in this specific case, it's, it's not, there's the, no terrorists. Uh, Right, there's no terrorist. It's he needs this specific, you know, whatever thing of a bob or or whatchamacallit it is that he needs, and no one has it. So he's desperately trying to get 
people in different places to open up and talk about things they might not talk about, need to talk about. And that's led you to a situation of people just wanting normal things. Hey, can you fix this wagon axle? Or like yes. my kid, my Some children need wine, you know, like, <laughs> like just really normal shit. And you're like, yeah, I mean, I got that, and I can do that without even thinking about it. What I really need is <laughs> this very crazy specific thing that makes people go, "What in tarnation are you talking about, Mister?" You know. <laughs> um, so you're like three towns deep now of, of needing the last little component you need to make something work. And people yeah. are coming to you with the most mundane, just useless requests. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I can fix that in like three seconds. What I really need. <laughs> yes. I love okay. that idea. Uh, so, so let's say we open, it is, um, we open the scene on, on Dr. Uh, I'm, I'm never going to remember this last name because I keep thinking it's blacksmith. Uh, I haven't written down. Durandal. I was going to say, I haven't written down. Think of the song uh, of Roland, his sword, Durandal. So we have, we we open the scene on Dr. Emmett Durandal, doctor, quote unquote. Um, (laughs) it is, uh, now like well into the afternoon past lunch uh you're also set up in sort of a maybe not so much the one horse but a little bit of a boom town right something that's that's uh got a little bit of um yeah commerce around like, it yeah not something that's like maybe three buildings and that's it like right a little bit yeah. more busy than that you got to go somewhere where people have the money where they have the resources yeah. to get you the things that you want yeah. so you're set up um in any little sort of, you know, alleyway stall that you can get your hands on. Obviously, you don't want to pay taxes. You don't want to pay a business license. You don't have the money yeah. for that. You know, your no. money's it's it's tied up in other I things. Can afford a license center? Right. So <laughs> uh Dr. Durandall is is set up um basically just hoping that the 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 right person comes his way and you're now dealing with maybe the 14th kid you've seen today it's a little buck tooth girl of maybe four she's thrusting a straw doll up at you and she's bawling and saying but my dolly is sick (laughs) um her parents are across the street saying honey come on it's time to go and she's like no this is the brat from hell screaming (laughs) and saying like he's gotta have something to fix it he said says fix it on the sign like she just keeps pointing to your your uh covered wagon just over and over and over um (laughs) she turns to you cartoonishly she has the biggest crocodile tears that are just welling right at the edges of her eyes and she's thrusting this doll like right up to your face what do you do so not out of pure like okay you win and not out of malice but i want to take the doll and do like improve it you know like okay. maybe I have something right. that I can make sure that she doesn't want to come back here. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Not hurt um, her, you know, just maybe scare her. Okay, Sid. Right, right. but you, yeah, you want to you want to freak her out a little bit. So it's um, it's a straw doll, and your immediate thought is, well, straw dolls lose straw, right? You got to constantly restuff them and fix mm-hmm. them. Um, you you recall that a couple of nights ago you inadvertently uh created a like a bonding reagent 
something you you didn't mean to create at all. In fact, you were um, one hand you you slept one hand stuck to the wagon all night because <laughs> you couldn't get it pried away from there. Um, if you took this thing and just doused it in what's left of it, it won't go anywhere. It also probably won't leave her hands for a couple of weeks, um, intentionally or otherwise, but it'll sure do the trick. <laughs> so here, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I cover it in that material. I make sure to be careful that it doesn't stick to me. And yeah. then once all is said and done, I, you know, I stuff it up. I have some random straw probably or something. Sure. I can, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, put that binding agent on. I hand her the doll and I told her, okay, now, so to prevent the, uh, prevent, yeah, sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. <laughs> to okay. prevent her from getting sick again, you need to be hugging her as much as you can. So I need you to squeeze <laughs> her as tight as you can, give her all the love, and do not <laughs> let her go. The crocodile tears go away immediately. She, like, clasps this thing, like, to her chest and starts screaming, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. She actually runs forward to, like clasp your leg and you definitely like maneuver no, I away got that. It's like no 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 <laughs> I, I don't want to get the patient sick again the the parents finally have had enough and they they kind of give you like a plight but kurt sort of nod that the father does they take her uh each one of them by one arm a piece and they're like come on it's time to go uh realizing that as they lift her like she's for the first time going going hey what you see her kind of like struggle a minute uh but a second later they've disappeared around around the corner um out of out of your periphery as you're kind of coming down from that uh interaction you realize that most of the crowd has kind of dispersed in this way you're in a little bit of like a stall market um sort of setup but there is uh a, a notable gentleman nearby because again most of these people are very modest they're not particularly well to do but this guy it's a fine black bowler hat and a, a nice uh well black tailored suit shiny black shoes they're literally glinting in the sun uh a nice big bushy black mustache and he comes up and and says uh uh oh doctor your your reputation precedes you and he sort of nods toward the kid and gives you kind of a almost like a little cheshire grin like you know he knows something's up there but it doesn't seem like he has any interest in talking about it uh once again as he removes his hat he makes a very particular symbol with his hands before he clasps it in front of him would my character know the oh yeah okay yeah absolutely Yep. Okay. You were long ago introduced to the Twilight Legion um, while you may not have been called upon to act with them, and I'll let you decide mm -hmm. how often that may or may not have been the case. Yeah. Um, you're you're an intelligent man. Uh, you don't forget a thing like that. You know right. what he's, he's saying. It wasn't an accidental move he made. It was very <laughs> intentional. Very deliberate. Okay. So I just, uh, I, of course, recognize the symbol and I, uh, I guess I do, I nod or whatever the symbol I need to basically say, yeah, I see what you're, what you're doing. And so yeah. <laughs> I, um, I guess I kind of lower my voice and is it, is it the Twilight Legion or Explorer? Uh -huh. Okay. Yes. So I guess I'll just go with what does the Twilight Legion need today? Um, this gentleman kind of, again, smiles. He reaches into his breast pocket with one free hand as he holds his hat with the other, and he hands to you a, a sheaf of papers. 
Um, as he does so, you can tell that, again, it's a letter uh, folded in half. There are a few newspaper clippings, it looks like, placed within it. Uh, and he says, Your expertise is requested out in the Western Territories, Doctor. He, um, now that he's handed them over here with his, his now free hand in that sense, he leans over and taps the side of your wagon and says, Trust that uh, this little doohickey will make it there. Oh, she looks like she's on her last legs, but uh, I keep her going, so there's no issue there. But <laughs> I look at the piece of paper, and I just make the comment of what to save and throw away. And then I kind of want to subtly hint as basically, what's in it for me? <laughs> um once again, a, a sort of spry, or not spry, sly smile. <laughs> um, the gentleman says, uh, well, of course, it's not my position to negotiate, but uh, as is on, it's, uh, often the case with, and he starts to say the twilight, you hear him like say twilight, and then there are a few people who pass just a little too close, and he hesitates and says, the Explorer's Society. Um handsome compensation can be provided will be provided as necessary um we'll also ensure that uh you're provided with the materials that you need no more scraping by from boomtown to boomtown does that pique your interest doctor as long as you don't care how and get the results that you need, then I think we have a deal. <laughs> he says, um, oh, and along the way, he would he would introduce himself. Oh, no, no, sorry. I'll hold on to that. Uh, he, <laughs> he says, uh, as he, he reaches out his hand for a handshake, he says, well, you know how we get things done. Um, he does mention that he was aware that you had your your own mode of transportation but should you like to save on fuel uh there is a a train ticket with your name on it waiting at the the nearest station to take you to sweetwater county in wyoming um they will also be prepared to stow any cargo and once again he lightly taps the side of your your wagon uh as necessary till you arrive just give them the name Marcus Mullen. You can call me the twin. Where's your other half? He now he outwardly chuckles and he replaces his bowler and he says, Oh, never too far, Dr. Durandall. He tips it to you. Never too far. If you have any questions, you can find me at the train station before you leave. The train leaves in a few hours. Good day. And, and I, I, I want to quickly ask, like, so does your brother, is he like the evil version with the with like a squiggly <laughs> mustache or you, you, you ask this as he's, as he's walking away and he kind of, um, he, he does like the little, you know, a little quick two finger salute over his shoulder as he's, he's being dismissive, but he's acknowledging that he hears you. Um, he okay. sort of blends into the crowd that's moving up and down the streets, and a moment later, again, it's like he was never there. I what just mumble. I just mumble to myself. Uh, 
Um, look around the my little wagon here. Decide if I want to just make the journey or if I want to deal with train people. <laughs> we'll leave you to uh, to scratch your head in that decision okay. and move on to the next. Yeah, I'll take the case. Since Kaz wants I was, to I was joking. I was jokingly going to say, Shannon. You asked about Lindsay's backstory. I did not. <laughs> no one ever asks about Lindsay's backstory. No one cares about Lindsay's backstory. Come on. All right, Shannon, you should be able to see a deck of cards there. Just click on it. That'll flip one over. Jack of clubs. Ooh, Ooh. Jack of clubs. I hope I don't go home and so. Jack of clubs. <laughs> I've been drawing. By the way, the entire time you guys are doing this, I'm just drawing nonstop pictures of Sailor Moon and Godzilla and various. Uh, <laughs> they're, Hunter, they're oh, Sailor. I, I enjoyed Don't your X Files one. Yeah, Hunter, there's the uh, Jillian Anderson one yeah. really blew my mind. That's yeah, that one's stuff. pretty creepy. Yeah, well, that's that's supposed to be Tuxedo Mask too. He's a little too much like David Duchovny, but yeah, it's, oh, it's clearly David Duchovny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't think it's, it's enough. Of David appears Duchovny. to be in the Air Force. <laughs> Um, He's not a sure pilot. what's going on. Not sure what's going on with that. Uh, okay, so um, Shannon, or uh, again, Killian, going forward, I'll try to refer to you only as your your character name, and I'll try to remember uh, it. So, so Killian, uh, your choice for your interlude here. You can tell us about um, a current or past time where you have been practicing a skill at which you are very talented. You could instead tell us a tale of your greatest love, lost, found, present, or waiting somewhere back home. Or you could tell us generally about a trying hardship on the journey that you have uh, most recently undertaken. Uh, What was that first option again? It is uh, to tell us a tale of you either currently or sometime in the past practicing a skill at which you are very talented. I'll do that. And it's, um, okay. do I have to set a specific setting or is there a setting set for me? No, no, you can tell us all about this it's completely up to you. So we are in Alaska. We are somewhere outside of a major town. There's a little, there's a little house set up in, uh, which is his home where Killian yep. calls, calls home. And he is out in the backyard of it. It's a nice little place. I mean, it's it's small. It's nothing, you know, insane. It's just a nice little nice little house that he's he's built for himself. And um, no one around for miles. All you see is snow everywhere which way you look. Very cold. And he's in the backyard. He has a couple of bottles set up in different places. Some a little bit closer, some farther away, some in a tree. He walks out, looks at him, and then in a split second, he pulls his pistol out and just goes to town and shoots all of them without missing a single shot. Um, He throws his gun back into his holster. He pulls his other gun on his other side out, spins around, and shoots the other bottles, never missing a shot. That's 12 bottles he hits in various positions, some seemingly impossible to hit from that distance. And... uh, then he, uh, after after shooting all of them, and he's, you don't know what he's thinking, but you can see something's on his mind. He clenches his teeth when he sees that he shot them all. Despite the fact that he had such an incredible performance shooting these things, he's not happy. He looks upset about it. 
like he's got he's got a grudge against these bottles and you don't know why um he blows the smoke out of the pistols it's very cold so the smoke's very easy to see and he uh he starts to reload his his revolvers okay um so this is you said it is home so it is in alaska so i'm assuming it's a it's uh is it snowing it's a very snowy area yes. it's very cold very cold yeah, very okay. very isolated he he isolates himself i also yeah. apologize for my voice i am i am sick for people listening i'm sorry <laughs> i think it fits the character honestly i got uh, thank I you you're gonna that's have to the only part i'm gonna be sad to see go yeah <laughs> um so because it is such an isolated area um it's a little bit of a surprise to hear horse hooves in the background, but you do hear them. Um, Killian Legion is not someone who is sneaked up upon very often. I suspect. No, uh, no, even though it's, people get the drop on this guy. No, it's unusual for him to hear these things coming, but he definitely hears them coming. And yeah. he has a feeling it's one of two things. It's either business or it's someone looking to make a name for themselves. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, without even turning around, it's a single set of, of hooves. It's a single horse, a uh, single rider, who a moment later, as the, the horse sort of pulls up uh, to your homestead, finds uh, uh, the stoutest tree trunk nearby. You hear someone crunching uh, through the snow. You hear the sound of rope being removed from a coil last round uh, tied into a, a stiff knot and it's only after that as the footsteps start to approach at an even pace not not too quick not too slow um, that you hear uh, a gentleman's voice call out a very uh, distinct uh, sort of gentlemanly type voice who says um, Mr. Legion or should I say Ranger He's just reloading his pistols, and he doesn't even look at the guy. And like I said, he knew it was going to be business or someone looking to make uh, trouble. But considering he knows who he is and what he wants, he's pretty sure it's business. So he he just kind of reloads his pistols and says, "Call me whatever you want. What is it? Can I do for you?" Um, you hear only the slightest hint of of amusement in his voice, um, and you you actually can hear him the sound of him removing something from his his breast pocket, a sheaf uh, of papers, perhaps because it's definitely paper on on cloth. Um, you hear him say, "Well, perhaps we should worry more about calling upon you today, Ranger." But please, I'm wall for a show. He uh, he looks back at him and kind of smirks for a second it's not a genuine smirk you get the idea that any emotion that killian shows on his face is is a performance in itself his normal demeanor is very sullen very very neutral if i you know what i mean like he's they call it a poker face he is the king of the poker faces he reaches into his pocket pulls out a coin throws it up in the air pulls his pistol out again and just shoots the coin six times in a row twirls it back into his uh, into his holster and then turns around and tips his hat at the man as the as the coin falls down in front of him um, the gentleman who as you might expect at this point in time wears a, a very fine uh, undusted bowler hat a uh, finely tailored black suit with a crisp white shirt uh, and even in probably a couple three to four inches of snow with a fine 
shiny black patent uh, shoes. Um, he tucks that sheaf underneath one arm for a moment and applauds. This is not going to pick up, but I'm going to do it anyway. I can <laughs> hear it. I can hear it. Yeah. Okay. Good. 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 Um, it's not sarcastic. Uh, but it's also not overly enthusiastic. And, and the smile that he wears is, is genuine. Um, he's impressed. Uh, now, of course, that you, you've holstered your gun and you are facing him, he previously had stayed, you know, five to ten paces behind. Um, this is a guy who knows his way around people who know their way around guns. Um, he approaches further. He removes the sheaf from under his arm, back into his hand. He um, says... Uh, I suspect that I, I may look familiar to you. Uh, my organization has, uh, on occasion, dealt with yours. And, of course, uh, as he goes to hand the sheaf to you, um, in doing so, he places his palm in front of his fist before he turns his wrist over and, and hands them to you. Um, assuming that you're taking them from his hand while doing so, he says, uh, my name is uh, Miles Mullen. You can call me the twin. I represent uh, an organization that uh, is in need of your specific traits. He takes the items and kind of looks them over and is very, very down to business. Not, not a lot of uh, joy or charm comes from his way. He just looks it over, looks at him and says, how soon? Uh, Mr. Mullen removes a, a pocket watch from his uh, from his other breast pocket. Uh, takes a look at it, flips it open just so he can count quickly, and pretty quickly uh, it comes back an answer. He says, three and a half hours time. Longer than perhaps you might suspect, but we've made arrangements. There is a train ticket waiting for you. Uh, in town, which I assume you live a decent ways out of town, so it takes a little while perhaps to get there. Yeah. Um, he says there is a train ticket waiting, again, with, with uh, your name or mine. They'll respond to either. He says, um, if you have any questions about those particular materials, please don't hesitate to ask. I'm in no hurry. I have one question. Of course. He points back at his horse. This horse is named Invincible, by the way. And, <laughs> and he says, you got a ticket for my horse? Again, a genuine smile. Not a smirk, not a chuckle, not a laugh. Uh, he says, naturally, Mr. Legion. Killian just kind of nods at him, pats him on his shoulder, and starts to walk over to his horse. <laughs> um. As he turns to leave and go to, to uh, untie his own horse, um, he does over his shoulder as he mounts up, say, and uh, uh, Ranger, perhaps we keep this one on the hush-hush for now. Your organization has not yet been briefed on the entire details. He, he raises an eyebrow that bad he matches it back and says this is an agency matter it is that bad he kind of nods and tips his hat to him 
you hear a little and the horse begins to trot off uh a bit of a a not blinding snow but definitely a bit of wind kicks up the snow actually does start to fall a little bit heavier um you don't really quite see this guy disappear on the horizon he's gone much faster than you would have expected not because the horse is moving quicker but you just lose sight of him faster than you might have anticipated i'm uh killian walks over to his horse and kind of pats him and the horse kind of neighs a little bit and killian responds with i know i hate suits too (laughs) and then there was one and she's yawning yeah okay my second all right so my second character (laughs) is a mutant frog named (laughs) named timmer it um, doesn't speak he doesn't speak he's a mutant mute he's a mute mutant frog named timmer and he uh, mute. wait 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 can he be an ant who doesn't speak because then he yeah. can be a mute ant mutant and steven that's how he became the wild west mute <laughs> ant. <laughs> oh no, wait, no. <laughs> all right Lindsay, draw all right i got a nine of hearts the nine of hearts i'm gonna move that over there Okay, so to tell us about Fern Hawthorne, um, you can choose to tell us a tale either currently happening or happening previously, and and she's reminiscing, um, about a time when Fern was studying or working on an object of some sort, maybe something to do with her trade. Um, You can tell us about Fern reminiscing about something that she wants or already has and takes great pride in. This can be anything from a material possession to recognition, um, a political goal, a trip she wants to take, anything like that. Uh, Or about a recent journey in which she found something that helped along the way, whether it was helping herself, helping others, any of those things. Well, we're going to go with the current as in she is on her ranch in Sweetwater and she's just kind of looking over the fields Um, she is 35 years old and average height, average build she's about 5'5", a little on the athletic side because she does work on the ranch Um, otherwise she could blend in pretty much anywhere, just Standard long brown hair. She keeps it tied back and neat. Brown eyes. Nothing overly extravagant about her in any ways. She dresses very basic because, again, she works on her ranch and it's her main focus. She's proud of it and what she does. And she's just kind of watching over her hands and checking on some of the horses. And it being May, it's foaling season. So she's got a couple of mares that are ready to drop at any time and is waiting for the new foals. Okay. Um, I suspect you don't get a lot of... Uh, what's the name of your ranch, by the way? Is it just Hawthorne? Uh, Paradise Estates. Paradise Estates. That's right. That's right. I read that. Um, you... The, the types of... of Visitors, I don't even want to say visitors necessarily, but the types of arrivals at Paradise Estates are, I presume, often riders, so horses of some kind, um, perhaps a few deliveries here and there, but they're usually fairly obvious, open-air carriages, that sort of thing. 
you probably don't get a lot of people just walking up, right? Like just no, on foot, typically. seemingly. And yet, not unless they're on hard times and just need a new ride. <laughs> uh, and and that's what immediately catches your attention about the the man that you see in the distance who is making his way up your. Um, for lack of a better term, driveway, your initial pathway, uh, where normally you would see horses and carriages and wagons and such arriving, uh, maybe even the occasional steam wagon or two, uh, depending on who's making the delivery. This is like something out of an old wives' tale. It's it's a man, uh, a stout man, uh, slightly older than yourself, um, in a pristine, even though it is very dusty. Um, uh, and, and of course, being the Wyoming territory, probably cold as well. Um, he, he has no overcoat on. He has a, a very uh, sleek black suit on with a crisp white shirt, uh, a pointed black sort of bushy mustache. Uh, and again, shiny black shoes that you can again see the glint of the sun off of from a distance. He's casually walking up uh, the the pathway to the ranch. And you spot him practically from a mile away. I mean, this guy stands out, plus you're fairly astute at these sort of things. You know this place like the back of your hand. Um, he's really too far away to initially, uh, when you first notice him, uh, to, to say anything to you. You can see that he's heading in, in your general direction. Um but you, you would have to shout to be heard by him, and so would he. He doesn't seem to be doing that. He's walking at a very calm, casual pace. Once I get sight of him, I would probably sigh slightly in frustration, but uh, dust my hands off on my pants and make my way to him to uh, make the short walk a little shorter and to get to the point. Uh, you have ranch hands and such that work uh, around your place, yes? Yes. Yeah, quite a few, as I recall. Um, yes. Nothing like crazy, way, but I've got a, a good little like half dozen or so. Sure, absolutely. Um, along the way, your uh, some, some of your compatriots, um, Danny, who is uh, um, kind of hauling a couple of bales of hay uh, turns and, and notices this guy and uh, excuse me, mister, can I help you? You know, and, and uh, the gentleman doesn't respond. He, he does turn and acknowledge him, but he shakes his head politely and continues walking toward you. I kind of um, wave Danny off. Ways. I got this one. <laughs> You're now close enough at least to be heard um, a little ways further. Danny's sister, Megan, um, is running up to you to ask you a question uh, about uh, a soon to be birthed uh, foal. And she stops when she sees the man, she doesn't seem to recognize him, but she can tell that you either do or are at least engaged in this. And she kind of looks to you um, without asking what you want, but giving you a very clear, what do you want me to do right now? Sort of look, she stops mid sentence and, and looks to you for guidance. Go wait with TJ. I know she's close. I'll be there when I'm done here. And Megan uh, kind of furrows her eyebrows, but she nods. She's obedient. Uh, and she turns and, and runs off. This gentleman never breaks stride. Um, and if you two are walking directly toward each other, it's only when you're close enough to be heard that he can speak at a regular volume. 
Oh, I don't love that. I can definitely see that my internet is diffing out. Yeah, Hopefully, you guys can still hear me. We still hear you. Yes, yep. we can. You, you, you hiccup a second, a second on the video, good. but yeah, you're good. good. It looked like the video did, and that's what freaked me out. Okay. Hopefully, that doesn't stick. Keep this thing moving. Um, it's only when you're, you're definitely close enough to be heard uh, that he can speak at a reasonable volume that he reaches out his hand for a handshake, um, takes his hat off with the other, and in one swift motion makes a, a distinct image of his planed hand against his fist before he places his hat in front of him uh, at his at chest level and reaches out a hand and says, Ms. Hawthorne. And he says it like a question, Ms. Hawthorne, like he's trying to remember um, and waits for approval before he continues. Yes. How many do you guys need this time? It's a busy time of year. I've got foals ready to come. <laughs> he laughs a bit as he, he shakes your hand. And then when he removes uh, or when he retreats from that, he takes that hand, reaches into his breast pocket, pulls out a sheaf of papers. Clearly, one is a letter that is folded in half with some newspaper articles uh, clipped out and placed in the center. And he says, just the one this time, Ms. Hawthorne. Kind of raise an eyebrow a second and take the paper from him. And I'm like, this okay. this isn't standard. So as you open them up to look at them, I'm now going to give the listeners what we've been looking at this entire time. This is the same letter that each of the other characters have received. It comes from the office of the Tombstone Epitaph. Uh, the editor-in-chief is John Philip Clum. It's based, of course, in Tombstone, Arizona. Uh, but it is not addressed from Mr. Clum. It reads, quote, Dearest friends and colleagues, I trust this missive finds you hale, healthy, and well-prepared for your journey in Wyoming territory. I've used the Denver Pacific's rail service between the home city and Salt Lake on several occasions and always found it quite scenic and pleasant. Wyoming is lovely country when the sun shines on it, which, of course, you would find ironic given that you are there. It says, time is short, so I shall come to the point. There's been no word on the wire from Agent George J.A. Reage in more than a week. His agency superiors are nervous and unsure if invoking our aid was the correct call, but answer it we shall. Given the mystery surrounding Reed's mission and his subsequent disappearance, I advise you to use the utmost caution. This package contains a few useful items. Please find three news clippings. There are actually four, you note. Uh, two from Heaston Hill Papers and one from the Epitaph itself. Reed went by the alias of Miner Len Buckles, M-I-N-E-R, just so we're clear, uh, someone who mines, uh, Len Buckles, and was under strict orders not to reveal his identity. We've included a recent photograph to help you locate him as well. Notably, the photograph is missing. He says, lastly, there is the matter of our contact already living in Heaston Hill. I'm informed by the agency that due to the vagaries of classified files and total secrecy, the contact's name was lost to official channels with Regis' disappearance. But I happen to know the contact holds membership in our humble association. Keep your eyes open, use the signs and watchwords, and most important, watch your back. Luke Centenebris, Lacey O'Malley. Lacey O'Malley, uh, you would know, and uh, the rest of you would know whether you're involved in the newspaper business or not, is basically the reporter of his time. He is the Walter Cron Cronkite um, uh, of, of the Weird West. So he's very, very well known. He's not the editor of the paper, but um, everyone knows this name. The articles that are included uh, briefly summarized. The headlines read, uh, Houston Mining Buys Half the Bench. This article explains that a, a group called Houston Mining Company moved uh, into uh, an area called uh, Terrytown Bench, uh, a, a town called Terrytown, actually, and the bench is, is a large uh, overhanging uh, 
bit of rock like a shoulder of a mountain uh, that apparently has been mined for some time now. Houston is now apparently trying to take over the entire mining operation there. Um, that was some time ago. The next time that uh, an article comes from that area, uh, the mention specifically calls it now Houston Hill. Terrytown is no longer the name of the town, it seems. Um, Houston Hill itself has apparently blossomed under the Houston Mining Company and its uh, proprietor, Jerem Houston, who has installed uh, electric lights all along the main city um, and basically is just trying to bring the place up a bit. Uh, the mining operations seem to be improving, even if uh, that's only for the people who work for him specifically. The next article is much more harrowing. Mine Blast Kills 22. Um, an explosion on April 19th appears to have killed 22 independent miners. Um, the blast occurred early in the morning on the western slope. Uh, Jerem Heaston has said, quote, We face this terrible news with heavy hearts and pledge to do all we can to help our town citizens. We've done that from the start, and I invite all the bench miners to come work for me where there's safety and security to go with a daily payoff. Um, the final article paints a much grimmer picture. This was from the epitaph itself, and uh, Thatcher, you would probably be acquainted with this one before anyone. The headline reads, Fire on the Mountain, Blood in the Streets. So coming from Heaston Hill, uh, it says local journalist Isidore Neustadter uh, has quite a bit of news about ongoings in Heaston. Uh, he says, since the discovery in February of last year of the 66.6-pound ghost rock slab known as the Headstone Nugget, the town of Heaston Hill uh, has risen, uh, its star has risen even as its citizens have begun to dread. And he outlines a few reasons why, uh, saying that there's the requisite thievery, arson, and murder in boom towns, uh, but also there have been a recent series of vanishings. A local prospector named Orville Miller, uh, a fixture at the Mining Supply Emporium. Also, Sarah Houck, who is the widowed sole survivor of an Oregon-bound uh, wagon train, uh, was attacked by Ute Raiders last fall. And then a man named uh, Indio Red, which is the alias uh, that he takes on as a vicious killer, uh, rumored of late to have been hiding out from the law in the wilds around Fort Bridger. Um, tensions are also rising as the Miners Union, which is run by Frank Debony, who owns the local general store, and Jerem Heaston, who owns the Heaston Mining Company, um, are kind of butting heads, basically. Um, so things seem to have basically progressed in a downhill manner, but that's what you get in quickly perusing these. Um, uh, for what's worth, the, the gentleman who delivered these articles to you waits patiently while you read. Unless directed otherwise, he stands with his hat in hand uh, and just generally looks about him calmly. I'll fold the stuff back up in the letter after I've read over it um, and look at him for a second. And like, So they want my help this time rather than just horses he um again once again looks around to make sure that no one is listening very closely and says well of course miss hawthorne um your reputation does precede you as do your talents my talents don't don't get spoken of that much but what a what time frame are we looking at on this? Like, how quickly are we moving? He says, well, the sooner the better. Your proximity to Uinta County means that essentially we can leave any time, though we are waiting on a, a series of compatriots to join you. They'll be arriving at the Sweetwater Station uh, within six hours' time. All right. 
that gives me time to get some things in order here, and if you give me a location to meet you, I'll be there. He uh, smiles politely, says the station will do just fine. Um, there will, of course, be no ticket waiting for you specifically, as there was the others, since there will be no rail directly into Uinta nor Houston, uh, he says. But uh, if, if you are on the lookout for these folks, no need to, to find anyone specifically. Just ask for Meriwether Mullen. You may call me. Meriwether Mullen. All right. I and will be there. Replaces his bowler, tips it, and says, good day. See you soon. Turns on his heel, walks away. Uh, as he does, uh, a bit of a uh, uh, a raucous starts up with one of the horses nearby. Um, in in a in a pen, you turn for just a moment to look at that. When you look back, that gentleman is gone. That on its own, I'm like, kind of shake my head a bit. Head over to the one that was acting up, and I'm already planning in my head who I need to delegate to what, and figuring out what I need to pack up. Okay. So, um, we will hand wave a couple of things here. Basically, what it takes for you to arrive at Sweetwater Station, whether that is uh, arriving by train, whether it is arriving by horse, uh, or you know, basically just making your way across town effectively to to get there. Um, sometime late in the day, it is now maybe four or five o'clock. Um, you all find yourselves at Sweetwater Station simultaneously. It's not exactly a big bustling train station. Uh, Fern, you would know this early on. Sweetwater's not a huge place. It's a big county, but the county seat itself is fairly modest for the most part. Um, at the train station, you quickly spot the gentleman you believe to be the one who you uh, spoke with just a few hours prior, this Meriwether Mullen. And then it's like the light plays a trick because you see almost the exact same gentleman a ways away um, waiting on the platform for one of the trains. Somewhere off in the, the other direction is yet another gentleman who looks just like this person who is waiting at a ticket counter as though he's uh, anticipating someone's arrival. And in the moment that you're trying to process this, another person walks by, and you would swear, once again, it's the exact same person. But the first one, whose eye that you caught, he notices you and waves you over. He takes his hat and tips it in your direction as if to say, you know, you found me. I would head over. Okay. Um, at this point... Thatcher, your train has arrived, it has come to a stop, and everyone is piling off. Um, you pretty quickly see, again, a gentleman uh, in a black suit, uh, very nice shined shoes. Uh, a quick glance of the crowd around the station reveals that there seem to be at least two other people, maybe three, dressed just like this Maurice who you met earlier in the day. But he beckons you and waves you over with a, a little wave of his hat, which he pops off for just a moment. Pretty at this point, I pull up. Like I, I look up, I notice. I'm, I'm assuming I immediately notice as soon as I step out of the train. 
Mm-hmm. Like, and, and you say two or three or how many look exactly the same? You, there, there is the one who you know for certain. There's anywhere from two to three others just scanning the crowd in various places. Got you. So I, I immediately pull out my notepad and just start kind of jotting this stuff down. Um, not looking them directly necessarily. I don't. I don't want to scare them off. You know, the, the twins or yeah. triplets or quadruplets start to scurry away. <laughs> I, I've learned in my travels to look with a side eye, like out of peripheral, and I'm just kind of watching them all, jotting down their dis- like the way they look, how many of them count them off, and I'm starting to scan the rest of the crowd too to see if I'm noticing any other like duplicates or what have you that I, I, internally I'm having this monologue and naming these things. And each one of them, I'm kind of naming Earl and Seth and Montague. <laughs> Emmett, um, your train arrives not too long afterward, coming from uh, effectively a different direction. Again, people are, are piling off. Uh, it's a very similar scene to what we've just seen with them, though you would not have seen any of this. A uh, gentleman takes off his bowler hat, looks just like the, the man you met earlier, uh, but a cursory gra- glance at the crowd reveals there are more people who are not just dressed like him, they look just like him. That bastard said he was a twin. I don't think he knows how to count. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'd make my way over so that way I can get to my Emmett Fix-It shop. Maybe he needs fixing. <laughs> to fix Emmett. <laughs> um, okay. Wait a minute. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Killian. It's yes. a, once again a a similar situation, although um, you're actually led sort of out the, I don't want to say the back of the train, but you're led toward the cargo area um, where the horses are being released, basically, um, such that you can, you can receive your horse first. One of the attendants came over and said that there was a note made that you would likely want to, to have your horse basically in hand by the reins before you left the train itself. And so the, the gentleman that meets you there once again, looks just like the, the person you spoke with earlier. Um, as he walks along with you from there, you start to notice there are other people that look just like him in the crowd. Um, he's seen some strange things. This is definitely rakes up there with one of the strange ones. And, uh, he's going to ask the gentleman cousins. <laughs> he laughs, um, aloud. Uh, and at this point, basically you're all kind of striding to the same point. You realize that the other folks, uh, his, his other, um, brothers, twins, cousins, compatriots, whatever they happen to be before he answers, um, who look like him, are all kind of bringing someone else in tow. Uh, All four of them are bringing the four of you kind of to a point in the middle of the station together. Uh, And so at the same time that you ask that that happens, he looks around, uh, and the other three also look at you because they overhear this, and they all simultaneously say, twins. You can call (laughs) us the twin. Um it's not clear at this point which one is which because they kind of move around a little bit. It's almost like a little bit of a person shell game. These guys are not just identical. Um, they're, they're the most identical thing you organic thing you've ever seen. Like if you didn't know better, you would swear they were clones. They look that similar to each other. Um, and a quick introduction is made by one of them who uh, uh, mentions his name is Merriweather. This, of course, uh, Fern is the one that you spoke with, you would recall, uh, mentions his brother, Maurice, and his brother, Marcus, and his brother, Miles. Um, 
They step back. They all kind of surreptitiously as they kind of move around to bring you all closer together, make the, the symbol once more so that everyone else knows that they're all sort of in on the same deal. Um, and it's Meriwether who once again steps forward and says, ladies and gentlemen, meet your legion. And that's where we're going to stop for tonight. Oh, it's a shame because Killian, Killian was about to look and go like, but I'm Legion. Are you talking about me? <laughs> like me specifically? Or? He does broadly gesture his hands, and that will answer your question. <laughs> oh, okay. So they're my cousins. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> All right. So, guys, that's where we're going to call it for tonight. Next week, uh, our group officially meets for the first time, prepares to head into Uinta County and solve the mystery of the missing George J.A. Reege. But until then, uh, we got a lot of good stuff. We got a lot of good stuff coming your way. Shannon, tell them what we're doing tomorrow night. I don't know. So tomorrow <laughs> night, we're, uh, we, we're doing extras and epilogues. And um, originally... If you listen to what I thought was one of our one of my favorite episodes we did, Tokyo Gore Police, you'll know. Which that's not to say that it was one of our favorite movies. It was just one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> um, this will be the last time I probably get to mention Tokyo Gore Police on the show, so I wanted to get one last chance. <laughs> um, originally, the idea was we were going to do that or the Changeling, and we ended up deciding on Tokyo Gore Police because of, I don't I don't know why, but I thought it was a I thought it was a good choice. Well, we were originally going to do what was it? Um, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. But yeah. unfortunately, I still, I still would like to do that, but, but, uh, because of Obama, because of the economy, <laughs> no, we're no. actually, we're actually going to do, cause Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki, no. Nikki, um, we're going to be doing the changeling instead. Darling Nikki. So tomorrow we're, we're doing the changeling yeah. and yeah. it's starring George C. Scott. It's supposed to be one of the best haunted house movies ever made. I, for whatever reason, I've never watched it. I watched like the first 10 minutes of it once, but, um, I did not get to, to get too deep into it. So, so have you watched it yet? I've watched 10 minutes of it before. Okay. Have you, you watched it? You haven't watched it. Like no, today. I'm going to yeah, watch it tomorrow. Watched it. We watched it earlier. We watched it earlier today. And that's all I'm going to say. Okay. You got to tune in. Oh, that's the tease right there. Out, that's the tease. That's the tease. Yeah. So, yeah. so the changeling, the 1980 version of the changeling, not the miniseries, which is a new thing. That's not it. Right. Um, Got that on extras and epilogues. New year, new views continues. We got um, after dark on Thursday, where Lindsay will totally have a new topic for. She's us. already got it ready. We already said what the topic was. It's our top five fictional ducks. Well, that's true. We did say that. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We did. Cool. Quack, so I can quack, on that quack. tomorrow. I know quack, which one quack, I got to pick quack. first. So fucking Jesse, bitch ass Kimball doesn't take it from me. <laughs> I'm gonna bring him in here real quick. One oh, second. Really? Hold oh, on. No. This, you get to this choose one, who goes first. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, I feel hold like on. this one we need to do as the the draft version because oh, we drafting ducks. Hold on. Let me bring. I think we need to. I think we need to draft ducks. Let me bring Jesse in here draft. real quick. Jesse. <laughs> Jesse. Yeah. I brought you in here. We're about to end the show. I just want you to know you're not stealing my fucking ducks. All right, and I moved him back to the uh, all right to the Warcraft now he uh, knows. section. Yeah, and now he is a I don't know what's going on anymore. And on, oh god, he came back oh, with his own accord. No, of his own accord. Let's the consequences of my actions somehow. <laughs> Um, and on Friday, it's not duck time; it's horse time. Horse, horse time. Uh, not I've just horse time. Horse time, time live. Yeah. 
I've already started working on the sketch, so we got that going as well. Okay. Um, and then next Tuesday, we're right back at it, boys and girls. We're back uh, at uh, Headstone or Heaston Hill. We haven't even talked about that yet. We'll you be don't even know. Back in Headstone. the saddle. Shannon, move her to the. I disconnected her. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. I disconnected her. I'm going to wait. No, until God, she gets back. The consequences of my actions. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right, guys. Next Tuesday, we're back at it. Uh, <laughs> Horror of Headstone Hill. Deadlands continues on PZ85 Play. So until then, for Shannon, for Kaz, for Steven, for Lindsay, and for Jesse, who came back of his own accord, <laughs> I'm your game master, Double H. We'll see you next week, amigos.